On a summer day in 1958, Mildred Jeter married Richard Loving in a stuffy courthouse in Washington, D.C. Knowing the District of Columbia, the air was probably heavy. The city is, in fact, built on a swamp. Even after the advent of central air, it's not a pleasant place to get married. In Baltimore, we held off doing weddings from about May to September <laughs> because we didn't want anybody in a wedding dress having heat stroke. Institutional buildings don't fare well in the heat, and magistrates aren't always the most interested parties at weddings. So we might imagine that the wedding didn't take that long. It was probably not a fairy tale, but it was a wedding. That night, Mildred and Richard Loving drove the several hours to their home in Virginia. Five weeks later, police burst through their door in the middle of the night and arrested both of them. Richard was white, you see, and Mildred was not. And in Virginia and many other states in 1958, their marriage was against the law. The Lovings were convicted of, quote, cohabitating as man and wife against the peace and dignity of the commonwealth. They were forced to leave the state, moved to D.C., living, as Howard Zinn would put it, as we think human beings should live, in defiance of all that is bad around us. Vaclav Havel, the, the Czech statesman and literary figure, wrote that hope is an orientation of the spirit. It is an orientation of the heart. It transcends the world that is immediately experienced and is anchored somewhere beyond its horizons. Hope in this deep and powerful sense is not the same as joy that things are going well or willingness to invest in enterprises that are obviously headed for success. It is rather an ability to work for something because it is good, not just because it stands a chance to succeed. Havel wrote, writes that hope is being anchored beyond the horizons of the experienced world. Hope is not being content with the world as it is. We do this pretty well as Unitarian Universalists. We are often not content with the world as it is. <laughs> We are reasonably good at vocalizing our discontent. But what is the positive case? The case that not only critiques the world as it is, but points to the world as it ought to be. What is the anchor that we put out past the horizon that we are drawn to? I think we need to be anchored in some vision because the world makes it pretty easy to be cynical. Some level of realism is necessary Vaclav Havel goes on to, to make the point that hope is definitely not the same thing as optimism. But realize, realism without hope leads to a hopelessness that quickly becomes indifference and paralysis. Usually we think of anchors as something to keep us in place. A ship will drop an anchor to hold itself steady over the course of a dark night. But there is at least one other use for an anchor. 
Imagine you're on a clipper ship. It's the 18th century. It's a 150 foot long sailboat. There aren't any motors or oars on the boat itself. The, the boat is designed to work with the wind. And when you're in the open sea with the wind at your back, the boat flies. But how do you get out of port? What do you do when the wind isn't at your back, but blowing right into your face? Or maybe you're stuck in the doldrums without any wind at all. There's a process in sailing called warping. You take a, a kedge anchor and you put it on a rowboat. And a crew rows it as far as they can out in front of the ship, and they drop the anchor. And then dozens of crewmen on the ship take the rope, attach the anchor, and they haul on it, slowly moving the ship towards where they've put down the anchor. And then they pull up the anchor. You put it back on the rowboat. The rowboat goes as far as it can, drops the anchor, and you do the process again. It is backbreaking work. It's not a fast process. But in this way, even the largest of sailboats can sail against the wind. So we can think of an anchor as a kind of literal motivation when the wind is against us. This is a distinctive aspect of hope. Unlike optimism, hope does not require that the wind is at our backs. It is not moored to a certain understanding of the experienced world. Rather, hope is a kind of faith statement. Often at weddings, often at weddings, one of the first readings folks know and request, even Unitarian Universalist weddings, is that bit of Corinthians that talks about the fruits of the Spirit, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Love is patient, love is blind. There's, there's a whole sermon about Corinthians, but that's a different Sunday. I tend toward thinking of these three, faith, hope, and love, as a kind of Unitarian trinity. Each, I think, are aspects of each other. They all share attributes. Because what would love be without the faith in each other and the hope for what is to come? And what is faith if not love and hope together? And what possible use is hope without love? There's a commonality between all three, you see. Faith, hope, and love all are beyond simple, rational explanations. Just as hope is not optimism, we might speak of love as distinct from infatuation, faith as distinct from belief. And those are probably good sermons that we'll talk about at some point down the road. Because when infatuation, optimism, belief, they're all tied to some concrete lived experience, the virtues anchor us to something beyond ourselves. They draw us out of our individual lived experiences into authentic relationship with each other and the world. There's another potential sermon here. There are like 16 different sermons as I was writing this. I'm mostly convinced that faith, hope, and love are actually one thing. 
There are three words trying to describe a single underlying experience. Not only can you have one without the other two, can you not have one without the other two, but they are three aspects of a unified underlying experience, that strange alchemy that happens at the heart of authentic relationship, where the whole is suddenly more than the individual parts. It's not a mistake. We've been using monthly themes, using the, the Soul Matters material this year. And it's not a mistake that Soul Matters uses the theme of hope for December. The season is one where the days are getting darker, where a spark lit at the solstice is lit at the solstice and the sun begins its long return. And for Christians, this Sunday marks the beginning of the season of Advent. Advent covers the four weeks prior to Christmas, and contrary to what our culture seems to tell us, the focus of Advent is not shopping. It is not a season of savings event. It's a season of expected waiting, of hope for a coming child. I find saying that to be a little different than it has been in years before. <laughs> in many traditions, the, the seasonal color is purple. Not the solemn purple of Lent, but royal purple or blue, a, a color of celebration. Because it is, taken on its own terms, a hopeful season. So our closing hymn, we'll sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is not a Christmas carol. It's an Advent carol. Emmanuel, God is with us. In the Christian tradition, it's the long-hoped-for Messiah who will come to rescue a people bent and bowed by an oppressive Roman Empire. The hope of Advent, indeed, of the whole Christmas story wouldn't work if it was optimism. It is on the face of it absurd, this idea that the embodiment of hope and love in the world would be born not in the halls of power, but in a barn, in a forgotten corner of a forgotten colony of one of the biggest empires the world had seen. So to Christians, this is the anchor beyond the horizon of the experienced world, the hope of a baby born thousands of years ago who brings hope to the brokenhearted. You might think of this as a time to affirm hope, waiting for the thing that is most unexpected and that comes every year. Mildred and Richard Loving had an anchor. They weren't always optimistic. 1958 Virginia was a hard place to be optimistic that their story would turn out well. But they knew that they were in love. And they knew that they were having a baby. I believe they were anchored in their love for each other. I think that that gave them hope over the decade-long fight to have their marriage recognized. Just before their 10th anniversary, 10 years, their case was heard at the United States Supreme Court. The, the Lovings didn't attend the hearing, but they did send a message. Tell the judges, I love my wife, Richard Loving said. And it just isn't fair 
that I can't live with her in Virginia. I love my wife, and it's not fair. If we do act, Howard Zinn writes, in however small a way, we don't have to wait for some grand utopian future. The future is an infinite succession of presents, and to live now as we think human beings should live in defiance of all that is bad around us is itself a marvelous victory. You probably know how the story ends. The Supreme Court struck down Virginia's laws unanimously. Earl Warren, writing for the court, said that marriage is one of the basic civil rights fundamental to our very existence and our survival. And to deny this fundamental freedom on so unsupportable a basis as the racial classifications embodied in these laws, classifications so directly subversive of the principles of equality, is surely to de deprive all the state citizens of liberty without due process of law. The freedom to marry or not marry a person of another race resides with the individual and cannot be infringed by the court. Almost 50 years later, the president of Loving versus Virginia played a significant role in court cases to strike down laws defining marriage as between a man and a woman. And during that fight, Mildred Loving was interviewed. And she started by saying, I am still not a political person. But I am proud that Richards and my name is on a court case that can help reinforce the love, the commitment, the fairness and the family that so many people, black or white, young or old, gay or straight, seek in life. I support the freedom to marry of all. That's what loving and loving is all about. Love makes for a pretty good anchor. We're each anchored to different things. For Mildred and Richard Loving, their love for each other dragged a whole country forward, slowly. For Christians, Advent is about a specific hope that the world changed through the birth of a baby. What is the anchor for you? What is that thing that you can cast out in front of you and pull even if the wind is in your face? So I don't know about you, but I have at times felt in the last year more like it's 1958 in Virginia than 1967 at the Supreme Court. It can be hard to be optimistic. But we stand not at the narrow, prudent gates of optimism, but the gates of hope. And while it is not my practice to quote movies and sermons that, that often, <laughs> as I was writing this sermon, I kept coming back to this passage from The Lord of the Rings. Not the books, alas, <laughs> the movie. At the end of the, the second movie in the series, the, the person that has been up until this point, the hero of the story, Frodo, is at the verge of giving up hope. And he turns to his friend, Sam, and says, I can't do this. And then Sam's reply, I know, it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. But we are. 
It's like in the great stories, the, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how, how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those are the stories that stayed with you, that meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folks in those stories had a lot of chances of turning back, only they didn't because they were holding on to something. What were they holding on to? That there's some good in this world and that it's worth fighting for. Hold on to hope. Hold on to that anchor over the horizon wherever it is taking you. Drop it and follow where it takes you. Amen. <laughs>